We talked about the first week about how we receive forgiveness. Uh, we receive forgiveness uh, through Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. Last week we talked about um, a lot about forgiveness, about how to forgive one another. And just reading some of your prayer requests on your uh, comment cards that you fill out and you put in the uh, offering buckets as they're passed. I know a, there's a lot of you out there who are struggling with just forgiving people. Forgiving people who've hurt you, who've taken advantage of you. Uh, last week we talked about that when, when somebody messes on you and messes you up, there's in a sense that they've take, taken something from you. That they've taken something from you and they owe you. They may have taken an opportunity uh, from you. They may have uh, stolen your reputation, uh, stolen um, something, but in a sense they owe you. And uh, we talked about last week that forgiveness is making the decision that that person doesn't owe you anymore. It's canceling the debt. It's saying, you know what, I'm not going to wait for them to come and fess up for it. I'm not going to wait for them to come and apologize. I am going to make the decision that they don't owe me anymore. And we talked about that's hard because they don't deserve forgiveness. But we also talked about last week that we don't forgive because they deserve forgiveness. We forgive because we have been forgiven. Because our Heavenly Father says, Yeah, Chris, you didn't deserve forgiveness either from what Jesus Christ did on the cross. But I'll let you off the hook. Because I canceled your debt. Because I said... I'm I'm making the decision, Chris, that you don't owe me anymore. Then we need to do that to other people. Then we need to let them off the hook. Because whatever somebody has done to us, we're going to learn today that however bad that is, we've hurt God even more. Um, Today I want to share with you some stories about forgiveness. And this this sermon is kind of like in three parts. The first story, the first stories we're going to talk about is the story of other people and how they've forgiven people that have wronged them. And then we're going to be looking at Jesus' story. He's going to tell a story about how to forgive other people. And then I'm going to share with you a very painful experience in my past and a journey that I've had to make through forgiving people. So we're going to jump in and look at these three different stories. And one of the things I really want to hit home on is all of us have been hurt. All of us have pasts. All of us have stories that if we all sat down and we told, we would uh, there would be a lot of pain in this room. And I know it's very easy to say we need to forgive people, but I want to look at today primarily that it doesn't matter what has been done to you, you can forgive them, no matter how deep. Let's start with this story. Um, Mike, Michael Langley was a priest uh, who served in South Africa. And uh, he was exiled by the South African government when he was speaking out against how the, the South African government, through apartheid, was torturing students and children. So he was exiled. He went to Zimbabwe and still was a vocal a person against these horrific acts that they have done. Until one day, he received a letter in the mail posted from South Africa, and it was a letter bomb. And this is what he has to say afterwards. He says this, I had long ago come to the conclusion that there was no road to freedom except through self-sacrifice. But nothing nothing could have prepared me for what was to follow. Three months after Nelson Mandela's release from prison, I received a letter bomb that had been sent from South Africa. In the bomb blast, I lost both of my hands, one of my eyes, and I had both of my eardrums shattered. 
somehow in the midst of the bombing, I felt that God was present. Quite early on after the bomb, I realized that if I was filled with hatred and desire for revenge, I would always be a victim forever. Though I permanently bear the marks of disfigurement, I believe I could be more of a priest with no hands than a priest with two hands and hatred in my heart. Wow. Or this other story what happened on July 7, 2005. 26 people was killed when a suicide bomber blew up the London's underground train. Gil Hicks, a lady who you see here, survived, but she lost both of her legs. She says this, This cycle has to stop. I cannot hate the person who has done this to me. The cycle must end with me. I must forgive to offer an open heart. One of my favorite stories is the story of Jim Elliott. Um, he was a mission, an American missionary to Ecuador back in the 1950s. I remember hearing his story when I was in middle school and how it touched me, and it literally changed my life about how his sacrifice. In fact, he has a great quote. He, who is no, he, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And uh, Jim Elliott realized that he gave, up, he gave up his life. We're going to talk about his story because his story began with him and his wife Elizabeth moving to Ecuador, and they had a passion and a burden to reach the Alca Indians. Him and three of his missionary friends and the pilot of a plane, his name was Nate Saint, decided to travel into deep into Ecuador to reach this fierce warrior tribe, a warrior tribe who was characterized by anger and fear of the outsiders. They made contact with a, a fellow by the name of George in this next slide you'll see, of the Alka Indians, and this is Nate Saint, the pilot. And they befriended George, this Alka Indian, and uh, George actually went up into the plane with them, and uh, the missionaries and Nate got to show them, uh, George, his village from the sky. They landed, George went away, and they said, this is the time. We want to share Jesus Christ's love with this tribe. So they made, um, they, they landed the plane on this embankment near a river and they're, as they're getting ready to go into the village to share about that Jesus Christ loves them Tim, ten warriors comes out of the bush and slaughters each and every one of these missionaries and Nate Saint kills them their bodies are discovered down river with multiple stab rooms with spears uh, Elizabeth Elliot Jim Elliott's wife, the kids, the, the wives of all of these missionaries, their children, what are they going to do now? Let me tell you what they decided to do. They decided that they were going to forgive those Alka Indians, and they made the decision to go live with those Alka Indians. And as they went into the bush, they got to see the same ten men that killed their husbands and their daddies. And because of their willingness to forgive, all ten of those men came to know Jesus Christ. The entire village was transformed by Jesus Christ's love. And these missionaries went on, and their stories still live to this day. In fact, many of you have heard of them. There's even a movie out that came out a year or two ago called The Gates of Splendor. Some of you have seen that. A Nate Saint's son, Steve, who made the decision to go live with the same people that killed his dad. 
he is still living. He's, he's traveling the world today with one of the fellas that killed his father. They both love Jesus, and they both like telling of forgiveness. Could you forgive like that? Could you make the decision to forgive someone who's taken your husband, who's taken your father, and to go in and live amongst them and tell them about Jesus Christ's love? Could you make that decision to cancel that debt? Jesus describes forgiveness this way. In Matthew 18, 21, Peter asked Jesus a question. Pete says this. He came to him and says, How often should I forgive someone who sins against me? That's a good question, isn't it? Because all of us, I mean, that's a great question. How often should we forgive? And Peter says, he throws out a number, seven times? I think that's kind of generous, don't you? Seven times? Would you let somebody mess over on you seven times? Would you let somebody steal from you seven times? Would you give somebody the opportunity to ruin your reputation seven times? In fact, we have a little saying even in our country. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, what? Shame on me. You see, most of us, we're not willing to forgive two times. But my boy Pete says, well, what about seven? What about seven? And I think he's thinking, you know, Jesus, he's going to compliment me because I'm pretty good at this forgiveness thing. But see, Peter's, he was muddy with his idea of forgiveness. He didn't really understand what forgiveness was all about. Pete made an assumption, and the assumption was this, that forgiveness is really more for the person who's hurt me. But hear me, it's not. Forgiveness is more for you than for the person who's hurt you. Forgiveness, even though you're letting them off the hook, it benefits you, not just them. Forgiveness is more for us. It helps, the, it helps the people who's been messed around more. So Jesus responds this way. Seven times? Jesus says, no. I tell you, 70 times seven. 70 times seven. Jesus is saying, Peter, Peter, how many times do you ask God to forgive you of the same old silly thing? How many times do you ask, God to, you ask God to forgive you of this and you say you're never going to do it again and you, and you do it again and you ask to forgive us again and you do it again and you ask him. How many times does that happen? And Peter's going, a lot? Yeah. And then Jesus chooses to tell a story on forgiveness. And uh, this story is a great story. Um, let's look at it. Jesus shares a story about forgiveness. He says this, There was a king who decided to square accounts with his servants. As he got underway, one of the servants brought before him, he owed how many dollars? Millions. How many of y'all got millions of dollars in here right now? Raise your hand. All right, I want to see you afterwards. (laughs) Yes. All right, millions of dollars. None of us have millions of dollars. And this dude owed how much? Millions. That's a lot of money. He owed millions of dollars. So this is what happens. He couldn't pay up. So the king ordered the man, along with his wife and children and all of his stuff, all of his goods, to be auctioned off at the slave market. You know, back then you couldn't file chapter 11 or chapter 13. If you couldn't pay, you were royally in a mess. They would take you and they would sell you and your family and your kids and your house and your 
BMW chariot and all of that stuff. They would sell all of that stuff and all the money from that sale, including the sale of you, would go towards the person you owed. So he owed millions. He couldn't pay up. So the king says, you're done. I'm going to auction you off. Look what it says. It says, the poor wretch threw himself at the king's feet and he begged, give me a chance and I'll pay it all back. Touched by his plea, the king let him off, erasing the debt. Debt canceled. You see it? There's a picture of forgiveness. The king made the decision, no, you don't owe me anymore. Millions? Yet you still don't owe me anymore. Debt is canceled. I mean, this fella, this king could have thrown this dude to the auction block. He could have been sold everything. I mean, his family could have been put up and they could have been slaves for the rest of their lives. But this king did something very unexpected. Instead of selling these people off, instead of having them tortured, he said, you know what? I'm going to cancel your debt. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to make the decision you don't owe me anymore. What made this person, this king, change his mind? It was how the person responded. This person asked for forgiveness. This person asked I, I, give me more time. I, I'll do it. I mean, he his attitude was was humble, and uh, his spirit just cried out for forgiveness. And the king offered forgiveness. How would you feel if somebody forgave you like that? How would you feel? How, let me put it in this way: How would you feel if the bank showed up on Bundy, the president of the bank, and said, uh, "You know that money you owe in your house? It's canceled." Yes, Lord. All right? It's exactly right. You'd go, oh, that's wonderful. You'd go, oh, come on now. You'd get jiggy with it. You would get excited, right? Because your debt's been canceled. You don't owe the bank anymore. You don't know, you don't, I mean, your biggest debt, the debt that would have taken you your entire life to pay off, debt free. Cancel. I would be thankful. I would give that, that banker a big old kiss on the cheek. Huh. Give him a big hug, and he would feel very uncomfortable, and so would I. But I'm grateful. I'm thankful because my debt has been paid. This fella who owed millions, how did he feel? You know, I'll be honest with you. I wish Jesus would just end the story right here because the story ends on a happy note. But Jesus doesn't end the story right here because the point is in the rest of the story. Let's read it. The servant who was no sooner out of the room when he came up on one of his fellow servants, one of his fellow friends who owed him $10. Everybody said $10. How many of y'all got $10? All right. Now, I, but your money's safe. I'm not going to ask for it, okay? Um, but all of us have $10. All right, $10 will buy you a very large meal at Taco Bell or a very small meal at O'Charlie's. Either way, all of us got $10. If you ain't got it in cash, you got it on your debit cards, right? Everybody's got 10 bucks. So he goes and he finds somebody who owes him $10. Listen to what this person who owed millions who should have been very grateful. Listen to what he does. He seized him by the throat. The throat. 
he seized him by the throat and he demanded, Pay up now! Give me my money. I want my ten dollars. The poor wretch. Where have we heard that before? The poor wretch threw himself down and begged, Give me a chance and I'll pay it back. But he wouldn't do it. He had him arrested and put in jail until the debt was paid. You would think that this forgiven servant would have just forgiven. Somebody who had owed millions of dollars and the debt had been canceled, you would just think, Ten bucks? <laughs> Don't worry about it. You would think somebody who has been forgiven much would forgive little. He wasn't willing. Look at what happens. Verse 31. When the other servants saw what happened, they were very upset and they went to the king and they told him everything. Uh-oh. Bum, bum, bum. All right? So he called the servant in and he says this. The king says, you evil servant. I forgave your entire debt. You owed how much? Millions. I forgive your entire debt when you begged me for mercy. You should have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you. The king was furious and turned him over to the jailers to be tortured. Everybody say the word tortured. Tortured until he could pay back what he owed. Tortured. What, what do you think of when you think of torture? Whatever comes in your mind, yeah, that's it. He was tortured. Isn't that ironic? The king delivered the servant from prison, but because of this servant's unwillingness to forgive, it put him right back into prison. It put him right back into prison. His unwillingness to forgive put him right back in the slammers. Hear me. The same is true for you and me. We have been forgiven so much for what we've hurt God. We've been forgiven so much for what Jesus did on the cross. We've been delivered, and God, through Christ, has set us free. The debt's been taken care of. But when we harbor and keep unforgiveness in our hearts, what it does is it puts us right back into bondage again. It puts us right back in the slammers again. And it puts us right back into the same state we were before we ever received forgiveness. What's the point of this story? Jesus' point is found in verse 35. And i got to be honest with you. I wish verse 35 wasn't in the Bible. Because it's a hard verse. It's true, but it's very difficult to read. Because all of us have been at verse 35. Look at what it says. I'm sure at this point, Simon Peter's going like this, saying, Dead gum, who brought up this silly subject? And Andrew and John is kicking him, saying, You did! Keep your mouth shut, all right? But l listen to what Jesus' point in the story is. And Jesus concluded, That is how my Father in heaven will treat every one of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. You have to understand that whatever you have to forgive someone else, whatever it is, it is a whole lot less than what God has to forgive you for. Whatever you have to forgive somebody for, it's a whole lot less 
in quantity and in regularity. Somebody messed on you 10 years ago, and you're having a problem forgiving them, and we mess on God every day. We sin every day. We mess up every day. And God is saying, listen, I have forgiven you of this huge thing, and the one thing that happened way back when, you won't let go of? You won't let go of? Remember the Lord's Prayer? He says, forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. Refusal to forgive another person blocks God's ability to get the benefits of forgiveness. Some of you have been tortured, just as that person had been tortured. Some of us have been tortured because of anger and bitterness. It just spills over into all of our relationships because you can't let it go. And you're back in bondage again. Some of you are tortured by ulcers and by nightmares and dreams because you just can't ever let it go. The hurt is too deep and too painful. And we say, no, I can't forgive. Our big idea, and we've already stated today, is this. That giving forgiveness frees the one who's been hurt more than the one who has hurt us. Forgiveness, yes, it benefits them, but it also benefits me in you if we've been hurt. Because if we hang on to that anger and bitterness, does that hurt them? No, it doesn't. It does not. It hurts us. It hurts us. Giving forgiveness gives freedom to us. Giving forgiveness benefits you. A couple of uh, weeks ago, I shared with you the day I got an F. Um, I want to share with you the day I got fired. Uh, in that kind of sums up my journey of forgiveness. Um, my wife and I got married here in Clarksville in 93, and we, uh, we left and uh, went to seminary in Dallas. And um, I served in uh, five different churches in three different states uh, before moving back and, uh, and the team and I starting one church. Um, uh, when, the, when the millennium hit, I remember exactly where I was at, the year 2000. I was uh, on the beach. Um, in Virginia Beach, I was a student minister for the, I was one of the student ministers for the, the largest church in Virginia. Um, huge church. Um, they decided to do a multi-site and to do like a church plan, and I was the worship leader for that. And uh, things were good, and I loved it. And um, uh, I, our, we had our one son, Walt. He was born um, right in Auburn uh, before, right before we moved to Virginia Beach. Any Auburn fans in here? War Eagle, where's Paul? Come on now. He's the only person who's an Auburn fan that I know of. Um, but uh, that's when the Lord had called Kim and I to move from the beach to the Midwest, to leave the sands of the beach to the, for the snowy uh, plains of Iowa. So um, the Lord called us to this extremely small town in Iowa. The town was 4,500 people. Um, the closest Walmart was like 30, 45 minutes away. In fact, when I still pass by Walmart, I get the shakes because, oh, I love Walmart. Right? So, come on, loosen up with me, people. So, anyway, um, it was an extremely small town. Uh, it was the poorest county in the state of Iowa. Um, so, uh, in, in just how small, however small the town was, the church was even smaller. Uh, it was a church that was four years old um, that had 35 people. And uh, this church uh, was ran by one family. Um, they, uh, uh, this uh, family were in church, and they brought me there. And uh, it's amazing um, because the church started growing. 
when people realized that church could be fun and that God loved them, it started growing. In this small town, it grew from 35 to 50, and 55 to 100, 100 to 250. We got to a point where there wasn't a lot of places in town that could hold us, so we moved to the funeral home, and we did church in a funeral home. You thought your church was full of steps. I know. Um, from 250, uh, we started adding staff. We added um, a secretary, and we added a, uh, two student ministers. Uh, we added a children's uh, a worship leader. Uh, it, it was so cool because uh, uh, so many people were coming from all over to come to this church in, in a very small town. Um, we had uh, people driving from the capital of Iowa to come down to come to church in a, church, you know, a town of like 200,000 people coming to a town of 4,500. 4, we had people, I had this one dude, he was a truck driver named Gumby. And uh, he, he drove every weekend from Chicago, Illinois. Uh, he drove six hours to come to church. Uh, it, was, it was just neat seeing what God was doing. In fact, uh, the year 2005, we baptized 136 people. Also in 2005, that's when I got fired. Um, I want to let you know, I didn't get fired because I had messed up morally or I had taken anything. Um, that, remember that family I told you that started the church and ran the church? Well, when all these new people started coming in, um, they felt threatened and their influence was threatened. And um, uh, on a, a night one fall in a secret meeting, um, this family decided, you know what, you're done. And the church had no prior knowledge about it. Um, they called us in and uh, that night and said, uh, pack your bags, you're done. Um, if you don't talk to anyone about this, we'll give you 10 days' pay. And uh, if you do, then you get nothing. And um, we were so hurt. We were, we were so hurt. Because the only thing we had done wrong was that we wanted to see this church grow. Now, I want to say this. Am I the perfect pastor? No, I'm not. And do I have faults? You betcha. Um, but it was so painful because I felt like my character had been attacked. Because so many people think, well, you know, he got fired. What, was, what could he have done that was so bad? And it still has not been made right. I remember having to tell my six-year-old son the reason why we couldn't go to church there anymore. And with tears in my eyes, it just broke my heart. And uh, to this day, I mean, what... I, I was asking, why did this happen, God? Why did this happen? You know, why would you allow something like this to happen um, and the people of God to do something like this? And while asking that question why, I didn't know, but the next month when all of this stuff is happening, my home church here in Tennessee is putting together a plan to plant a church out in Exit 1. And uh, they... Uh, gathered a list of people. In fact, there was, a, there was only one name on the list, and it was me. And they called me up. Would you be interested in this? Now, what's so amazing is that God had put into our hearts when we, since we left in 93, we, we were dying to come back to Clarksville. We wanted to plant a church in Clarksville. We were just waiting on God's timing. And uh, God's timing, <laughs> his timing was great. The, his method of doing that, I would have chosen something a little different. Um, and... But I look back on that experience now, and even though it's not been made right, and by the way, when I got bumped out, a lot of people in that church got bumped out in the church as well because they didn't agree with what had happened. 
And uh, some of those people to this day, I mean, they're still listening to podcasts of us, and, and they're listening, going online and listening to sermons just to be able to find a place to connect because it is such a small town. The whole reason I bring that up, and I, and I really was worried about bringing that up in front of y'all, but uh, after talking to some people, they said, you know what, you just need to be honest and you need to be vulnerable. And uh, uh, that's uh, sometimes can be difficult uh, because, again, everybody, you know, what, what could you have done? And um, I'm here to stand in front of you today. The whole reason I bring this up is because I have been dumped on just like you have been dumped on. And it was very difficult to forgive. We, when Kim and I moved back in April of 06, and we started, we immediately went to go see a Christian counselor, a godly man here in town, and we spent months with him just to make sure that we were getting over this, um, this hurt and we were able to forgive and to release this bitterness. Because if we didn't, it would poison everything that we did. And, um, you know, I guess I would say, you know, <laughs> some people say, well, in order to forgive, you have to forget. And you would ask, well, Chris, have you forgotten? And, of course, my answer would be, no, I haven't. Because you can't just forget stuff like that. You can't forget. You can't take a a mental eraser and go, and forget it. And hear me, forgiveness is not dependent upon forgetting. Because you're never, ever going to forget that hurt. You're never going to forget the person who took advantage of you in whatever way or other. But what you can do is that you can refocus and no longer focus on the hurt that happened, but you can refocus. And there's sometimes when I want to feel like, and I start thinking about that, I start going down those familiar paths that we talked about last week, and I have to remind myself, no, the debt has been canceled. Everything is forgiven. And I focus on Jesus Christ. I focus on Jesus Christ. Um, I tell you what, uh, we have to... Not forget, but we have to refocus. Um, which you're, this is going to be new information, but for some of you, did you know that God doesn't forget your sin? You know, some of us who grew up in church, we think, well, God, you know, he does. He does forget our sin, right? Well, if he was able to forget our sin, then he wouldn't be omniscient. Now, that's a churchy word. Let me understand, tell you what that means. It means he knows everything, and God knows everything. But if he could, forget, if he could forgive and just forget, he wouldn't be omniscient. Biblical forgiveness doesn't mean that you for, just forget. Let me tell you what God, uh, what God does. He remembers what happened. He remembers what you did. But if you're a Christ follower, if you've asked Jesus Christ to forgive you and to cancel you of that debt, he remembers what happened, but he makes the decision that we don't owe him anymore because of what Jesus did on the cross. You know what that's called? Another churchy word. It's called justification justification. And what that means is that we have been made right with God. We have been made right with God. Listen to how Romans 4.25 talks about justification. It says this, Because of our sins, He, Jesus, was given over to die, and when He raised, and He was raised to life in order to put us right with God. That's that word justification. That we have, even though He doesn't for, just forget, He remembers, and He says, I make the decision that he doesn't owe me anymore. He doesn't owe me anymore. Right with God. Justification. God doesn't forget. He just refocuses on Jesus Christ. God God remembers the hurt. But he says, you know what? He sees it through glasses that have Jesus on them. 
And he, when he looks at me, when he looks at you, if you're a Christ follower, he doesn't see jacked up people. He sees people who love Jesus and who Jesus loves them. That is cool. That doesn't mean to so, much, so many of you, some, the reason why you've not come and started that relationship with God yet, because you think, I can't measure up, Chris. I know that if I ask Jesus in my heart, I'm going to keep on sinning. And you know what? You're right. Because I, I keep on sinning. Well, we, yes, we continue to mess up, but God releases us and makes the decision that we don't owe Him anymore. Yeah, um, this verse I love in Psalm 103.12, it says this, As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our sins from us. He removes our sins from us. How far as the east is from the west? That's exactly right. A long, 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 long time. You see, even though all of us have received the red letter F's that we had talked about a couple weeks ago, what Jesus did on the cross is he takes that F and he puts another line by it and he makes it an A because we have been made acceptable to God. Not because of anything that we have done, but because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. What about you? Are you... Struggling to forgive people? Has somebody just hurt you terribly? Verse 35 says, So my heavenly Father will do to you if you do not forgive. Don't you just need to make the choice to release that debt? Some of you are angry with people. You're angry and you're frustrated and you ask the question that I asked, Why? Why does this happen? And so many times we don't get answers. Could it be that some of you, and I struggle with this as well, that you just could be mad at God as well. God, why did you allow that to happen? Why did you, why did you seem to let this circumstance or this person or whatever happen in my life? Let it go. Let it go. There is freedom forgiveness. We are set free when Jesus forgives us and when we choose, make the decision to forgive other people. Let's pray. Dear Lord, um, I, I want to pray for each and every one in here. I know that we have soldiers and soldiers' wives and soldiers who are back from deployment. And Lord, it's very difficult I can't even imagine. I, I don't know what they're going through, but it's just to have those, those experiences and those images in their mind of what they've experienced, what's happened to them. Lord, um, I pray that they would uh, make the decision to release that debt. Lord, that they would be able to say that um, that person doesn't owe me anymore. And that we would live lives characterized by peace with you and peace with our neighbor, peace with our enemy. Lord, that we would be able to forgive the wrongs that have been done to us. Lord, just as you said in, in your prayer, the Lord's Prayer, forgive our debts as we forgive those who have hurt us.
Lord, that we would be able to receive the benefits of your forgiveness because we are willing to forgive others. We all owe too much to you, God. We've all, we've hurt you more than anybody else could have hurt us. Lord, I pray that we would be able to release. Release, and Lord, that we would be able to receive forgiveness. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray.